Welcome to the fourth episode of Witchling Wandering, a Seekers podcast. I'm your host, Zarzamore Stardragon. I hope everyone had a happy Yule and that y'all are enjoying the new year as well. Today's episode is going to be centered on blackbirds and other wildlife that have been falling from the sky and or washing up on shores of late. Before we get started, though, let's hear from a few podkin. I'm Saturn, host of the podcast Pennies in the Well, where we journey into the depths of the human psyche and the far realms of magic for the joys of spiritual development. You can find me by doing a search on iTunes or Podcast Alley, or visit my website at www.penniesinthewell.com, because there's nothing quite like slipping into the well. Hi, this is Chris Orpella from The Infinite and the Beyond. The Infinite and the Beyond is an esoteric podcast for the introspective pagan mind. Join us as we explore a variety of topics that relate to life and one's unique spiritual journey. Episodes center on paganism, the occult, parapsychology, science, society, and culture in the 21st century. We can be found at www.infinite-beyond.com. From there, you can contact the show directly, visit our forum, and find links for the show and where we can be found online for you to subscribe and download. I hope to be hearing from you soon. Merry part, blessed be, and 93. Hello, I'm Quarry. And I'm Lane. And we're the hosts of New World Witchery, the search for American traditional witchcraft. If you're looking for a show about magic, specifically North American folk magic, then come check us out. Some of the subjects we'll be covering are hoodoo and root work, powwow, New Orleans-style voodoo, Appalachian granny magic, Ozark Mountain magic, brujeria and curanderismo, and New England witchery. In addition, we'll be having discussions about things like effective spellcrafting, spellcrafting successes and failures, magic for oneself and magic for others, magical terminology, hexing, and being in or out of the broom closet. If that sounds like the show for you, come find us at newworldwitchery.wordpress.com or find us on iTunes. Thanks for listening. And be well. Welcome back. For anybody following the news, you probably know some of the newsy parts of this. Um, But the summary is that on the night of December 31st, which was New Year's Eve, Uh, Roughly 5,000 red-winged blackbirds, starlings, and grackles fell from the sky in Beebe, Arkansas. Uh, Preliminary autopsy reports show the birds died of blunt trauma to their organs and that they died in mid-air, so their trauma wasn't due to impact on the ground. Um, Edible poison has been ruled out because the birds' stomachs were empty. These deaths have officially been attributed to fireworks. Soon after that, other reports began pouring in. 500 dead starlings and blackbirds were found in Louisiana, 300 miles south of Beebe. Then hundreds more dead birds were found in Murray, Kentucky. Uh, 200 dead birds were also found in East Texas. In Wilson County, Tennessee, 100 blackbirds dropped dead. Uh, Even Sweden has reported 100 uh, dead jackdaws, which are a type of crow, who reportedly died also from severe internal bleeding caused by external blows. Um, Also, Japan is warning of a possible bird flu, which is killing swans and herons over there. So that's just the birds. So let's move on to the fish. Um, Near the town of Ozark, Arkansas, which is 125 miles from Beebe, 
Up to 100,000 drumfish were found dead along the Arkansas River. In Maryland, uh, 500—I'm going to butcher this—Menhaden spots and croaks washed ashore. Near Parangua, Brazil, a hundred tons of sardines, croaks, and catfish have washed ashore as well. In Italy, approximately 500 clams, small fish, shellfish, crabs, and flatfish have also washed ashore. New Zealand reported a hundred red snappers washed uh, washed up dead, um, and in Florida, thousands of dead fish were f- found floating in a creek. In Tyler, Texas, 200 American coots were discovered dead on a bridge. I think, wait... Those are birds, aren't they? Hmm. Well, I think that should have been in my previous paragraph. Um, In the UK, 40,000 devil crabs, also known as witch crabs, and also as velvet swimming crabs, washed up along the Kent coast in the UK, along with dead starfish, lobsters, sponges, and anemones. Google Maps is now showing links to reports of dead uh, animal deaths, um, which is something that might be interesting to check out. And maybe keep an eye out over time. There are a lot of people right now that are saying that really most of these things happen on a regular basis and that the fireworks explanation is feasible and that the news is just paying an extra lot of attention right now, but that lots of deaths among animals is a common scenario. Um, But people are having lots of different reactions and a lot of people think it's the apocalypse or... That's a sign of the end of times, or, you know, just people have different theories. Maybe it's fracking, maybe it's, like, polar shifting, or, you know, whatever. There are lots of things going on. And, of course, the BP oil spill is a little bit suspicious, too, and the dispersants they used. Um, But, anyway, I don't want to go too much into the theories about why exactly that's happening, Um, but if anybody would be interested in having that discussion, I would be really delighted if you came over to the paganpodcastforums.com and added your two cents. And while you're there, you might um, also enjoy the other podcast forums, which are Inciting a Riot and Borealis Meditation. Basically, it's a baby right now, so it doesn't have a lot of users yet, but I'm really hoping that um, as time goes on, it'll flesh out, and there'll be some really good meaty discussions there. because, well, basically, the other two podcasts on that um, on that forum side are like awesome and hugely uh, intelligent, and I just think that um, they're going to be a lot of really interesting discussions once it gets up and going. So I think it'd be awesome if you guys joined it. Anyway, um, before uh, I go on, let's go ahead and take a short break. Uh, when I get back, um, we're going to be discussing. Uh, folklore, uh, mostly surrounding red-winged blackbirds and blackbirds in general um, for the rest of this podcast. I'd really like to include a lot of the other animals too, but of course blackbirds tend to actually have quite a bit of folklore around them, so we're just going to stop with them for today. Um, anyway, um, see you on the other side. Merry meet. My name is Ariel, and this is A Witch's Primer. Basic training in non-denominational witchcraft. You can find our podcast episodes on iTunes or at magiccraft.com. That's M-A-G-I-C dash C-R-A-F-T dot com. Blessed be. 
I'm Oriya the Sphinx from Media Astra Actera, a podcast for witches, magicians, and others of the occult persuasion. Join me for a thought-provoking blend of magic, witchcraft, and natural science as we explore worlds both inner and outer, above and below. You can find the show on iTunes or at sphinx.libsyn.com. And I hope you'll join me in standing Media Astra Actera. Hi, I'm Dee, your hostess and guide on the journey that we call Pagan FM. Changes are afoot, and beginning August 19th, you'll be able to find Jasper and me every Thursday night from 10 to midnight, followed by two hours of pure pagan music on WSCA LP 106.1 FM, Portsmouth. You can find the podcast on Zoom, Stitcher, and iTunes, and you can hear us on the Pagan Radio Network every Wednesday. Pagan FM, just one of over 50 great shows that are part of the proud Pagan Podcasters. Welcome back. Okay, let's start with the red-winged blackbirds. Red-winged blackbirds are icterids, which are a group of small to medium-sized passerine birds who are restricted to the quote-unquote new world. Um, So they aren't related to the blackbirds that are in England and in Europe. They actually have entirely different behavior. They're not as solitary as the birds in Europe. But people did, when they came from Europe, they did name these birds blackbirds and attribute a lot of the same qualities to them that they used back in Europe. But there are differences between them. Other birds in the Icteric family are a variety of New World blackbirds, New World orioles, uh, bobolinks, meadowlarks, grackles, cowbirds, oropundles, and caciques. I don't know those two. One unusual trait shared by icterids is called gaping, where the skull is configured to allow them to open their bills forcefully rather than passively, which allows them to pry open gaps to obtain otherwise hidden food. So I think that's kind of an interesting, you know, interesting thing about them. Many icterids are also colonial, nesting in colonies of up to 100,000 birds. Red-winged blackbirds are considered an agricultural pest with a particular fondness for rice. They are also... I don't know what the term would be for birds, but they're polyamorous. One male may have up to 15 different females making up its nesting territory, but a significant portion of the offspring of these females are actually fathered by other birds other than the main ones. My awesome and lovely partner, Missy, sent me the following Chinamacha Indian story, Why the Blackbird Has Red Wings. This version of the legend comes from Catherine Judson's 1914 collection, Myths and Legends of the Mississippi Valley and the Great Lakes. One day, an Indian became so angry with everyone that he set the sea marshes on fire because he wanted to burn up the world. A little blackbird saw it. He flew up into a tree and shouted, Kunam Wiku! Kunam Wiku! The world and all is going to burn! The man said, If you do not go away, I will kill you. But the bird only kept shouting, Kunamwiku, the world and all is going to burn. Then the Indian threw a shell and hit the little bird on the wings, making them bleed. That is how the red-winged blackbird came by its red wings. Now, when people saw the marshes burning, 
They quickly ran down and killed game, which had been driven from it by the fire. Then they said to the angry man, Because you put fire in those tall weeds, the deer and bear and other animals have been driven out, and we have killed them. You have aided us by burning them. Nowadays, when the red-winged blackbird comes around the house, he still shouts, Kunamwiku, the world and all is going to burn. Okay. It's time for another small break, but then we'll be back with a few more tidbits about red-winged blackbirds. Grab a pitchfork, light a torch, and open your mind. Hi, I'm Firelight, inviting you to join me as I question conventional thinking and light a fire under what makes us comfortable. I'm tearing down tradition and taking a hard look at what makes society tick on my podcast, Inciting a Riot. Join the riot through iTunes or incitingariot.com. Until then, enjoy this excellent pagan podcast, Inciting a Riot, lighting a fire under comfortable thinking. This is Kathleen, the hostess of Borealis Meditation, Geology for Pagans. Geology is the study of the Earth, so what better subject for pagans? Join me to learn about minerals, rocks, and other interesting facts and theories about the Earth. I can be found at Podbean, on iTunes, and Podcast Alley. Or just come on over to the blog at borealismeditation.blogspot.com. Hi, this is Kathleen, the hostess of Borealis Meditation, Geology for Pagans. Geology is the study of the Earth, so what better subject for pagans? Join me to learn about minerals, rocks, and other interesting facts and theories about the Earth. I can be found at Podbean, on iTunes, and Podcast Alley. Or just come on over to the blog at borealismeditation.blogspot.com. Hello again. This next bit of information comes from an article in the BBC, and I'll go ahead and leave that address in the show notes. Some of this information will be skewed as the American blackbirds are a different type from the European ones, as I already explained, but I still thought it was worth sharing, especially since a lot of these things were built and brought over with migrants that came over from the old world, the quote-unquote old world. Blackbirds are the subject of many traditions and superstitions, many of them contradictory, A few of these are listed here. A European tradition says that if human hair is used in the building of a blackbird's nest, the unfortunate, unknowing donor will suffer from headaches and possibly even boils and skin complaints until the nest is destroyed, so old hair should be disposed of carefully. A blackbird nesting near the house is seen to be a harbinger of good fortune. In England and in the U.S., it is said that a young girl is able to tell what sort of man she will marry by the first bird she sees on St. Valentine's Day. If it is a blackbird, she will marry a clergyman. If she sees a cock and a hen together, she will marry the next year. The beautiful song of the blackbird makes makes it a symbol of temptations, especially sexual ones. The devil once took on the shape of a blackbird and flew into St. Benedict's face, thereby causing him to be troubled by an intense desire for a beautiful girl he had once seen. 
In order to save himself, the saint tore off his clothes and jumped into a thorn bush. This painful act is said to have freed him from his sexual temptations for the rest of his life. Like the crow and the raven, the blackbird is often considered a bad omen. Dreaming of a blackbird may be a sign of misfortune for you in the coming weeks. It also means you lack motivation and that you are that you're not utilizing your full potential. However, the sight of two blackbirds sitting together is a symbol of peace and a good omen. Dreaming of a flying blackbird is said to bring good fortune. Okay, now let's take another short break, and I'll be back with another interesting cache of information. Mary me, I'm Brooke, and I'm the iPod Witch. The iPod Witch podcast is based on one Wiccan witch's practices and experiences. Come join me for my podcast. The podcast is located at www.ipodwitch.com. Blessed be. Hello, my name is Dave the Bard and I'm the host of Druidcast, the podcast of the Order of Bards, Ovates and Druids. Each month we present a wonderful selection of music, poetry and story, plus an interview or presentation by one of the leading teachers within the Western mystery traditions. In the past we've had Philip Cargon. Mir Bashir, an Indian palmist, publishes a story called The Book of Shadows, which uh, apparently Gardner got his idea for... Uh, rather than calling uh, the book the grimoire, he calls it the book of shadows and so on. Professor Ronald Hutton. Too often, the horned god of nature can be turned into a simple force of hoof and horn and grain and grunt and thrust and lurch and armpits and the men's locker room, rather than of the intellect, the tongue with words, the speeder of thought, the creator of beautiful delicate things. Ellen Everett-Hotman. Hello, Helen. Hello, and I'm sitting here in my oak forest in western Massachusetts. <laughs> Your oak forest. On I live oak. in an oak forest, I do. Oh, you really do? I really do. Oh, okay. <laughs> Timothy Freak. And the Gnostics, I think, are particularly clear with it, or they speak to me very clearly, which is, here we are in this perpetual, ever-changing moment where the appearances are constantly changing but something is present the same consciousness itself we have fallen into the mirror of life and identified with the appearance rather than what is witnessing Fionn Tulach One of the best pieces of advice I was ever given by a traditional storyteller was don't tell a story unless you believe in it with every fibre of your being Christopher Hughes But I've often sort of heard as well that you know, and especially of late, that Druidry is a celebratory tradition, and that's it. End of full stop. But I quite disagree wholeheartedly that it's not just a celebratory tradition. Not only is it a way of life, it's a tradition that not only empowers and transforms, but is steeped in magic, steeped in a quality that supersedes any human concept. So if you're a modern druid, Wiccan, witch, Celtic, Christian, pagan, or just interested in nature spiritualities, tune in to Druidcast each month. You can find us on iTunes or on our website at www.druidry.org.
and I'm back. This next part is from Ted Andrews Animal Speak, where I found the following information. This is for the red-winged blackbird. This bird has a red path on its wings with a dash of yellow as well. These colors connect this bird to the level known as Binna in the Kabbalistic Tree of Life. This is the level associated with the Dark Mother and Primal Feminine Energies. This bird has ties to all the creative forces of nature. On the Tree of Life, black is the color for Binna, and red is the color for Geberah, a Mars type of energy. Yellow, or amber, is the color of the path that connects the two, and it is the path of Cancer, the mother sign of the Zodiac. The red-winged blackbird is thus a totem associated with the cellar energies of cancer. The male red-winged blackbird will lose its luster during the winter. This reflects how summer is the time of vibrancy and vitality for those with this bird as a totem. It indicates the need to use the winter to go back into the great womb of life in order to be able to bring forth new energy and expressions of energy the following summer. In Europe, blackbirds came to be associated with St. Kevin, and one story tells of how they nested in his hand. Again, because of this association, to have blackbirds nesting in your environment is usually a beneficial sign. St. Kevin was known as a person of tremendous gentleness and love. There's another article, this time from the Examiner, called Birds Fall, Dead Fish, How the Ancients Found Meaning in Bird Signs and Omens. And I'll go ahead and list that link in the show notes. Augury... The study of chattering, singing, feeding, and flight of birds was used in ancient times to foretell future events or receive guidance from the deity or spirit. In ancient Roman Greece, almost nothing was undertaken unless birds sanctioned it. In Bird Signs, How Birds and Bird Images Permeate the Human Psyche, Steve Fry mentions, Ancient Romans had a very extensive form of augury. Whenever a Roman official needed confirmation about a policy, an augury was scheduled. An augur usually performed their augury on a hilltop. An area was mapped out on the hill, and great attention was taken to the compass direction. During the augury, many things were noted, such as whether the birds made sounds, which directions they were flying, what kinds of birds they were, and if they made any changes of direction. The augur would also pay close attention to weather elements and cloud formations. The auger would ask yes or no questions and then make note of all the natural phenomena. After many long hours or days of observation, the official would receive the advice of the auger. An interesting bit of trivia, the author adds, when it was time to install new government leaders, an augury was always held to make sure the installment had proper timing. This is the meaning of the word inauguration. Socrates was also a believer in augury, but with the provision that the birds or whatever form used, were just instruments of gods to bring messages to the mortals. Only whereas most men say that the birds or the folk they meet dissuade or encourage them, Socrates said what he meant, for he said that the deity gave him a sign. Many of his companions were counseled by him to do this or not do that, and in accordance with the warnings of the deity, and those who followed his advice prospered, and those who rejected it had cause for regret. Roman augury was practical, it didn't predict future events, but essentially taught them whether they were to do or not to do the matter purposed, giving a simple yes or no answer. Not all birds could give auguries among Romans. From a few ancient texts from Tiresias, Parnassus, Calchas, and others blessed with the gift of understanding the language of birds, 
the following bits could be gathered from a few records. If a flock of birds came flying about a man, it was an excellent omen. Vultures were unlucky and meant slaughter if following an army. Also, ravens and crows were dangerous for armies. Alexander the Great's death was preceded by ravens. Owls pretended victory. Swallows were unlucky. Cocks crowing were auspicious, but if a hen did the same, it was considered a very bad judgment. Birds flying into houses were such bad omens in ancient Greece that they would capture the birds and hang them outside their doors to atone for those evils which they threatened the family. Okay, now it's time to wrap this thing up. I'd like to do so by reading one of my favorite poems, which happens to be about blackbirds. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to join in discussion about this or any other issues, please come on over to paganpodcastforums.com. That's forums with an S. And share your thoughts, ideas, and insights with us. Like I said, it's a baby site, but uh, the more the merrier for sure. And also, if you happen to be a podcaster yourself, it would be really awesome to get your own forum going over there because it's like a great place for listeners to get to access discussions among many of the podcasts at once. So anyway, I think it's a great idea. I think I've mentioned before. But anyway, so this is 13 Ways of Looking at a Blackbird, a poem by Wallace Stevens. Among 20 snowy mountains, the only moving thing was the eye of the blackbird. I was of three minds, like a tree, in which there are three blackbirds. The blackbird whirled in the autumn winds. It was a small part of the pantomime. A man and a woman are one. A man, a woman, and a blackbird are one. I do not know which to prefer, the beauty of inflections or the beauty of innuendos, the blackbird whistling or just after. Icicles filled the long window with barbaric glass. The shadow of the blackbird crossed it to and fro. The mood traced in the shadow an indecipherable cause. O thin men of Haddam, why do you imagine golden birds? Do you not see how the blackbird walks around the feet of the women about you? I know noble accents and lucid, inescapable rhythms. But I know, too, that the blackbird is involved in what I know. When the blackbird flew out of sight, it marked the edge of one of many circles. At the sight of blackbirds flying in a green light, even the bods of euphony would cry out sharply. He rode over Connecticut in a glass coach. Once a fear pierced him, and that he mistook the shadow of his quippage for blackbirds. The river is moving. The blackbird must be flying. It was evening all afternoon. It was snowing, and it was going to snow. The blackbird sat in the cedar limbs. Okay, so that's the end. Have a great week, y'all, and merry part.
red-winged blackbird down my road He'll be there beside the river When dirt finally breaks its bones He'll be king among the rushes He'll be master of his home Thought I heard a red-winged blackbird Red-winged blackbird down my road Thought I heard a red-winged blackbird Red-winged blackbird down my road Safe as Moses in the rushes, that's home on the river white. Every time I hear the singing, makes me feel like spring inside. But I heard a red-winged blackbird, red-winged blackbird down my road. But I heard a red-winged blackbird, red-winged blackbird down my road.